Welcome to your highest version, the podcast where I want you to be the highest version of yourself. My name is Hope Matole. I am the host and founder of this podcast. I'm a communicator, a conversation starter, a voice, healer, and a safe space creator. So if there's one thing to be sure of, this is definitely a safe space. I am also the founder and president of a female NPO known as Contagious Classy Divas Network. I hold a master's degree in psychology and am a counseling psychologist by profession. Yep, a whole counseling psychologist. In this podcast, we are going to do the work that helps us to meet and become the highest versions of ourselves. So are you guys ready? Come on and join us. Let's go. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Your Highest Version, the podcast where I want you to be the highest version of yourself. My name is Hope Matole, and I will not say who I am and what I do and all of that because I believe my intro song gave you all of that and more. So, this is season two, episode seven. Yeah, episode seven. So we started season two early this year, around Mayish, Aprilish, and Chow. Then life happened, and you know I did not come through with the episodes. There are a lot of planned episodes that have not yet been recorded, but yeah, we'll we'll get through the whole season. Today, um, let's see. I haven't done this in a while. Where do we start? What what? What do we do? Where do we start? You know. So today, uh, the episode is titled "Mental Health Check-in," which is what we're gonna do. Um, but as some of you might know, I actually did have an event last week. So I'm recording this on the 9th of October, 2022. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday morning. I'm about to go to church after this, and tomorrow is actually the 10th of October, which is mental health day so that's why i decided to do a mental health check-in um but let's start here how am i where am i what am i doing so like i said it is sunday the 9th of october 2022 i'm gonna go to church prepare for church just after this so i am on my bed i am drinking a vitamin c shot it's got ginger apple and lemon because i am recovering from a flu yeah i've been just going through the most the girl has been going through the most i'm recovering from a flu that started sometime i went on leave for about a week and a half then i had my event then i went to gorgeous city then as i was supposed to go to work i just started feeling quite sick um so yeah it's getting a lot better i don't know if you can tell from my voice but it's gotten a lot better and i think i'll be able to go back to work tomorrow on monday so yes mental health check-in so i had a mental health check-in oh yeah i did say what i'm drinking i'm also drinking water so yeah that's where i am we've created a common context now let's get into the content of the episode 
So today, I'm just going to give a bit of a recap with the mental health check-in event that I have with, that I had via my um, NPO for Women Contagious Classy Divas Network, CCDN in short. It was an amazing, amazing event. So the reason why I typically wanted to have a mental health check-in, um, you know, in light of the many suicides that have taken place just this year and before, uh, with public figures, you know, I think it became a shock to a lot of people. Um, maybe some not, but a lot of people were quite shocked and surprised, like, why would celebrities, people who have everything, who are living the best life, take their lives? And I think it goes to show that mental health is not just for, it's for everyone. Mental health is on a continuum. You know, the one side, sort of like a spectrum. So think about it as a spectrum on the, you know, one side it's mental health and all the way to the opposite extreme side of all the way to the opposite side where we have mental illness and then somewhere in between you know um we constantly move around that as individuals in the middle of the spectrum and it's not to say that everybody has mental illness but everybody has mental health and everybody needs to ensure their mental health so the mental health check-in event that i had was really i just wanted to put a couple of women together talk about mental health talk about day-to-day -day challenges educate them on mental health and how to manage um, their mental health so we had um, three speakers including myself i had dr Ntabisa matla who's a certified life coach and who is also a medical practitioner, medical doctor. And then I had Nzwaki, who is a fitness consultant and also um, a certified life coach as well. Um, so yeah, it was such a nice conversation. I think in my field, especially as a mental health advocate, um, I, I have a voice and I'm learning to use it outside of the four walls of therapy and outside of the place that has employed me. You know, for the longest time, I felt like, oh, no, I'm not yet qualified to say this or to, to have a voice or to just to say anything about mental health. But I actually do have a voice. I'm a qualified professional. And I think I'm starting to get out of my shell, even in terms of just doing different speaking engagements. I used to be very reluctant. Um, I'd do the speaking engagements, but, like, I'd be very reluctant and I'd just stay on course on the script and what i liked personally uh for myself about this event that i had i feel like and I've, I've been telling a couple of my close friends and family members i feel like the mental health event um it's the fourth event i've ever hosted for my via my female npo contagious classy divas network and i feel like i was the most calmest with this one i was very calm i was very much myself i didn't feel like i had to have a certain personality or persona of, I don't know, a leader or of a founder. I was just myself. I had fun with everyone. I was relaxed. I was calm. And I was less anxious. And that helped me to be very open to the lead of the Holy Spirit. There were times where when my speakers were speaking, you know, I just hear God saying, you know, touch on this when you go back to the front before you introduce the next speaker. Touch on that. And one of the things that I did is I spoke about suicide after Dr. Matla, you know, spoke. Uh, she spoke about, you know, mental health and how it impacts us physically. She touched on psychopharmacological interventions of mental health, just removing the stigma on that and explaining that. And while she was speaking, like there was such a heavy pressing in my spirit to talk about suicide and how to manage suicide. 
And at the time, I was like, ah, man, this is a small thing. People know how to deal with loved ones who are experiencing suicide. But when we actually had that interaction and that engagement, the ladies actually really appreciated that. You know, I did a bit of a scenario and a lot of people actually appreciated that we spoke about that. So I think sometimes in our respective fields, we can feel like it's a waste to say something. Um, but also we can feel like we think because it's such common knowledge to us and to our field. You know, we sometimes think that it's it's unnecessary. People know this thing. Um, but once again, I'm reminded that the knowledge that I have is not the knowledge that everyone has. And that's why it's important to share it, even though sometimes it might feel tedious because this is like stuff that we speak about every single day for me personally in my field, the same way as, for example, someone who is in engineering, right? You speak about the same thing every day, <laughs> but um, general knowledge is not common. You know, general knowledge is not common because we come from different perspectives, we come from different backgrounds, we are in different contexts and in different settings. So what's common knowledge to you may not be common knowledge to the next person, and it's unfair for us to expect people to um, and it, it ends up becoming shame, shameful. We shame people for, but why don't you do this? Like, it's so obvious. No, it's not. Um, yeah, and that's what I'm learning. But event was a success. Um, ah, it was amazing, guys. Um, check on Instagram. There are some pictures, some short clips there on Instagram. I've been posting a lot on WhatsApp. I haven't really posted any pictures on Facebook, um, but I'm waiting for professional pictures as well. I've just been posting pictures that we have from different people's cell phones, which are good quality, but obviously professional pictures are even better. So yeah, that's the reason why I wanted to have the mental health check-in, because yeah, people were very shocked and surprised that um, public figures were being suicidal. And mental health is for everyone, like I said. It's on a spectrum. And... The same way that we ensure our physical health, we need to ensure our mental health. So we eat so that we have nutrition, we sleep so that we rest and we are able to go through our day and that's relating to our physical health. Mental health is just, just the same. We need, to, um, we need to ensure our mental health by eating, not physically, but I'm using that metaphorically, which is our mental health strategies, our self-care strategies that we do every day, every week, every month, yearly the same way that we are doing things to ensure our physical health. And I think we often, I think pe as, as people generally, you know, we often think it's so automatic, you know. And the risk with mental health is that it's so abstract, we can't see it, as opposed to when you have a nosebleed, we can see that you're bleeding. And then because you can really see it, um, it's visible, it's there, it's in front of you, people, you know, will more likely go to the doctor. Um, for mental health, for physical health um, challenges or injuries. But with mental health challenges and injuries, because we feel it and feelings are so abstract, you know, we sometimes um, wonder if, is this good enough to go to a doctor? Is this good enough to, to, to see someone? But it is, it is. Um, the same way as well that you have your general checkups physically um, is also the same way that you should, even when things are fine, just every once in a while, check in with a psychologist. Um, have a session or two with a psychologist even when things are fine. Because the thing about mental health is um, we have three levels of consciousness. We have the conscious, the subconscious, and we have the unconscious. And sometimes so many things are embedded in our unconscious and they come out in the form of, 
you know, physical illness, physical symptoms that we don't necessarily, that the root is not necessarily physical, but it's more emotional, it's more mental, it's more psychological, but it's so suppressed that it's coming out physically. And that's why my favorite um, stat that you guys have probably heard is that um, over 59% of people who go to a medical doctor, a GP, for physical pain or physical symptoms, over 59% of those people, 57 or 59, not sure, um, are the root of what's happening is not physical, but it's psychological. So, um, yeah, our mind and our body are always connected. I always tell my patients this. Um, our mental health and our physical health are very intertwined. The one affects the other. When we're sick physically, it affects our mental health. It affects our emotions. We become stressed. We become worried. We become fearful. We become anxious. And vice versa as well, right? So when we're experiencing psychological, mental challenges, emotional challenges, it comes out in physical pain, um, tension around your muscle area, back pain, pressure headaches, just um, feeling um, muscle tension, and different things in your body. Um, can come out as as can come out as physical manifestations, but what's actually happening or the root of it is actually mental. Okay, I'm already feeling like I'm starting to lose my voice. So yeah, that's that's how our event went. I can't wait for the next one. Um, I want to do a camp, but you know, I'm I'm praying about it. I'm planning um, sometime next year. I think it felt like so short, and I didn't want to bombard people with all, all this information. Uh, my point with this event specifically was to, you know, I didn't want, because in the past I've had like a million activities in the day and people get tired and end up not really participating and being attentive, you know, but I just wanted three brief sessions and two or three activities that are, you know, leisure type of activities. Because my point was when you leave, I want you to leave. I'd rather have three speakers and you hear one point from three speakers and have 10 speakers and you just have or leave with um, one point from all 10 speakers because it would have been a waste of time. So, yeah, it was amazing. So I want to talk about this episode is going to be very short and I just want to talk about and reiterate um, the suicide management that I spoke about um, at the event. Let's talk about suicide, suicide ideation. Um, we have self-harm, we have what's called self-harm, and then we have suicidality, and there's a difference. I always try to separate the two. Sometimes we see people that hurt themselves, that cut their, their wrists, their thighs, wherever it is that they cut themselves, right? And it could be one of two things. It could be self-harm. So self-harm is harming oneself physically, not with the intent to kill themselves or to commit suicide so that is self-harm right and self-harm often happens because people have inadequate um, coping mechanisms um, unhealthy coping mechanisms when it comes to emotional challenges they have ineffective uh, ways of um, effectively regulating their emotions and it's very common self-harm is very common in teenage years whereby when teenagers are going through um, emotional challenges, you know, they will cut themselves because they don't know how to better um, 
uh, yeah, how to be effectively regulate their emotions. And we also see it in personality disorders such as borderline personality disorder, right? The thing with self-harm is that, and I know people will say, yeah, this is a behavior-seeking, this is an attention-seeking behavior. Sometimes it is, right? Sometimes it is an attention-seeking behavior, but that's not the point because sometimes self-harm, even though the intent is not to kill, the person could really harm themselves unintentionally. Maybe they're trying to do have a little cut on their wrist and then it goes deeper than they intended and then they eventually end up dying um, or they end up getting really hard or paralyzed. And then suicidality, on the other hand, or suicide ideation, is someone who wants to kill themselves, who wants to die, who no longer wants to live. And there are many ways and many things that these people do um, these people sounds very st stigmatizing, um, but there are many ways that people who feel suicidal, um, there are many methods that they could use, one could use to commit, to try or to attempt to commit suicide, right? So yeah, self-harm, the intent is not to kill. Suicide, the intent is to kill themselves. So for example, we could have two individuals, one who's cutting their wrists because they're just regulating and we can have this an individual B who's cutting their wrist because they're hoping to pop um, or to cut their brain and I mean to cut their vein and to die. Both of them we take very seriously as mental health professionals, right? Because um, like I said, with self-harm, you could end up really harming yourself, which is not conducive in any ways. And with suicide, yes, you could end up killing yourself or you could end up just harming yourself and being paralyzed as well. So both are important and when Someone asked me at the event, so, you know, with the attention-seeking, how do we know? We don't always know what is attention-seeking and what is, you know, really... Um, because even the people that present as, as, as suicidal could be attention-seeking. But we take it different because our duty as mental health workers is to preserve life. So our doctors as well. And um, to, to, yeah, it's, it's to ensure that people are safe, to ensure that we do not harm um, they do not harm themselves, especially when a person is in a state where they are harming themselves. They obviously in that moment are not in the right state of mind. And that's why we have procedures and, and measures um, in place that protocols that we go about. Because in that moment, this person is not in the right state of mind and their judgment is impaired. Therefore, we become their thinking. We become the person who ensures their safety through things like admission and, 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 and. Right. So... What can you do supporting a loved one who's either, and you won't know, right, who's either suicidal, openly and you know for sure, they've said this, or an individual who self-harms, right? I'm going to start with admissions. We have three different types of admissions. So let's say admissions for suicide, right? So we have um, three different types. The first one is assisted admission. We have voluntary admission and we have involuntary admission. So voluntary admission is this person is suicidal in that moment, they're not thinking straight, and they are aware that they are harmful to themselves, right? Um, so we get them admitted, and they agree. They are willing to get admitted. They agree, you know, and admission is about 72 hours just for them to get assessed, to get medication, to get some therapy, um, and then to see going forth what is the needed or the ideal um, intervention. So that is um, voluntary. 
Involuntary is when a person does not want to get admitted, no matter how much you reason with them and make them aware that the 72-hour admission may be very helpful for you. You're not in a great space right now. We want to ensure that you don't harm yourself any further or harm someone else any further. So this is involuntary and they do not want to go. We can still admit that individual. Assisted admission is when a mental health professional um, such as a psychologist, a counselor, I think doctors as well, you basically go to the hospital with the person. So that's an assisted admission. Right. So that's from a professional's perspective. But from a loved one's perspective, one of the things, I'm going to give you a couple of tips, that things that you can do. So say someone calls you now and tells, them, tells you they're suicidal, they have sent you... I think let's start here, actually. What are the signs of suicide? So either someone will tell you that they are suicidal. Another thing is that the person would have written a suicide note. Another thing is that the person um, would have given away valuable things, you know, things that are very valuable, and said a couple of goodbyes to different people, like given them your favorite, given people their favorite clothes, their most Pri prized possessions, you know, the things that they took, that they loved, that they ha that had so much meaning to them, and a person who has a suicidal, um, who has a suicide plan, right? So when you see changes in, you might see changes in behavior, the person also is starting to wear a lot more dark colors than light colors, and that would be suicide that has a touch of depression as well, because suicide is not just in relation to depression, there are a couple of mental health illnesses, we won't get into that, that come where suicide is one of the symptoms um, with that, with different mental health illnesses. Uh, so those are a couple of things just to, to look out for. So the best way to support or to, to support someone with suicide, so and we're talking about in that moment this person is suicidal, it's three S's, this is like a quick way to remember this, it's three S's, the first S is safety first. So let's, let's paint a scenario. Your friend sends you, you know, um, a text telling you that they're about to kill themselves. It was lovely being friends with you. They love you. Please don't do anything. They feel like, you know, this, they can't do it anymore. And let's say this friend is about three, three blocks or three houses away. So they are within reach, right? The first thing that we want to do is safety first, right? And what that means is finding out, inquiring if they have a suicide plan, uh, asking, you know, how are you going to kill yourself, where are you going to kill yourself, so getting all those, those details of what they would possibly do. And then with the details that you get, finding out if this plan is attainable, you know. So if someone says, I'm going to jump into the pool, but there's no pool in their house or within, like, a five kilometer radius, you know, it is attainable, but in that moment, maybe not. So finding out, you know, is it attainable? Um, what resources do they have based on the plan that they would have told you? What resources do they have to basically execute the suicide plan? Find out when they're planning to do this. Do they have a time? Do they have a place? You know, do they have a duration? How long do they think they'll be done? And then finding out the, the, just generally the intention. So it's just finding out all this different information that even as you call the paramedics, um, you have those details. 
So that's our first S, which is safety first. And this helps you to get a, an understanding and also for yourself, but also say for the paramedics that you call um, to get a... Uh, so I'm not saying that there's any... Suicide is important, all of it is urgent, but it gives you a sense of where the person's thinking is, how well thought through is this, and obviously a well thought through plan is most likely a plan that's going to be executed, and that's mostly going to be executed soon. So kind of get that information, and then the second one is to listen to, sorry, the second S is to support. When supporting a person, we are trying to be very non-judgmental, we allow them to express themselves freely, so when they say, yeah, I'm done with this, so we listen we listen attentively we allow them to express what they need to express and we just we sit with them and we support them through that um to, to get a perspective of what is happening um what has gotten them to the to this point and we don't invalidate their feelings like i said you don't say oh no but you just bought a car yesterday and like i said because a person is at that point um for them to get that po to get to that point is because they feel like they've tried everything they feel like there's no light at the end of a tunnel they feel like it's never going to get better so it's our responsibility is to support um and to not invalidate what they are feeling and what they are experiencing in that moment and um someone asked me at the event so what do you say you you, you don't say things like what you don't say let's start there is i know what you're going through because you don't. You guys might be in the same position, might be going through exactly the same thing, but as individuals, we have different tolerance levels, we have different resilience levels. So person A and person B might have both gotten raped yesterday, but experiencing it completely different because we are we have different predispositions, you know, we have different embedded trauma, our triggers are different, our life experience is different. So Avoid saying, you know, use of words such as, I, I completely understand what you're going through. Let's not say that. Um, let's not say, but don't kill yourself. Uh, so many people need you because that increases the burden to what they're already going through. So rather, what can I do? How can I assist? What can I do to make you feel better? Is there anything I can do? Do you want to take a walk? So rather say that instead of, the first couple of things that I said. And then the last S is services. So services is where you can maybe give them some contact details. We've got SADAC, we've got the suicide crisis line, um, we've got police number, we've got ambulance number. And to say, hey, especially if you're not a professional, you know, to say, hey, um, I, I, I'm here for you. I want to support you. I want to see you get past this. But how about we call a professional, we can call a professional together that is trained, that has a trained ear and that has skills that will assist you to be able to move past this point. Before you do anything, how about we do that first and see how that goes. And you can sit with them while they call or you can, you know, give them a bit of space and um, and 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 call, you know, and, and they can call and speak to someone else. And the thing here is to say that if we can preserve an additional day of this person's life that is worth it you know an additional day an additional hour that is completely worth it but i also want to go back to um the first is which which is safety first safety first is not just safety for that person 
but it's also safety for yourself. So, for example, if someone is on the rooftop at the edge, don't go, don't go stand next to them because both of you might fall and both of you might get harmed. So don't place yourself in a position of possibly getting harmed at the attempt to assist in someone else. If a person has a knife, let's say, going back to our scenario, you know, your friend is suicidal, three houses away. If you get there and they have a knife and they tell you not to get close to them, don't get close to them. So yes, try and de-escalate and ensure that safety, but that safety is also to be ensured for yourself as well. Because I believe that um, a lot of intended suicides that ended up ha becoming homicides were for reasons like this, where people were trying to help and they end up getting hurt or even getting killed in the process of that as well. So yeah, three S's, safety first, support, services. You know, we have a lot of crisis lines. I'll link them below in the uh, episode details, like I said. Um, quite of a number of resources that you can refer your loved ones to who are possibly struggling with suicide specifically, but also with mental health generally. So I just wanted to come here and just give you the triple S tips. And I'll close with three more tips just generally for your mental health. So like I said, our mental health is housed in our body, which is our physical body, our physical health. Our mental health and our physical health are very intertwined. So three tips on a daily that you can do. They will not take you an hour to do. Ensure that you do something every day for your mental health. Let's say a minimum of 10, 20 minutes every single day. And then weekly, ensure that you do something a bit longer. So weekly, let's say ensure that you do something for yourself for about an hour, two hours, depending on your schedule. Monthly, ensure that you take an actual weekend for your mental health or a full day for your mental health. And then obviously yearly, it will be sort of like a bigger chunk, right? Like I said, our mental health, we need to ensure it every single day. We can't keep pouring out, but not pouring back into ourselves. So three tips, I'm giving you my takeaways from um, for this, this episode. So the three tips I'm going to give you is one, move your body. We house emotions in our body. Our emotions, especially uncomfortable emotions, sit on different parts of our body. We have pressure headaches as a result of that. Body pains, muscle pains, heaviness, shoulder pains, back pains. Those are all where our uncomfortable emotions sit in our body. So move your body on a daily basis. If you are a person, and this is different for different people, if you're a person who is a stay-at-home mom, a housekeeper, you're always carrying stuff and moving stuff. So you won't need to like really go to the gym and do an additional hour at the gym, right? And it also depends on p different people's health conditions and ages as well, right? So... It can range from literally taking a walk around your complex where you live, around your yard where you live, to going to the gym, to jogging, to hiking, 
but just move your body even stretching is good for you just stretch your body do some pilates do some stretches do some zumba do some stretching some dancing so move your body so that you don't sit with all this energy because our emotions are also energy when you're angry you don't want to sit with that anger energy like just let it out stretch it out kick it out scream it out screaming is a form of externalization that's also good as well so tip number one move your body i'm actually moving my body as i'm speaking now <laughs> tip number two have a community and by that have people who keep you accountable have people who you can check in with, friends and family. Have people who support you. Just have people you can talk to. And that's also a form of externalizing. Externalizing is a process of sometimes when things are in our minds and in our hearts, they feel so heavy and so overwhelming. But when we either speak it and we release it in writing or screaming or all the physical things that I just spoke about, it helps us to regulate. It helps us to process as well. So a community, friends, family, best friend, husband, just a personal community that you have. And lastly, my all-time favorite, which I'll always advocate for, see a professional. Seeing a professional doesn't mean something is wrong with you. Um, it's just for you to get some techniques from a professional, some coping skills, some behavioral practical tools for you to deal with and to manage your mental health as a whole and specific things that might be happening that you might be struggling with psychologically emotionally and mentally go see a psychologist go see a psychiatrist go see a registered counselor go see your pastor go to a professional go to someone who is licensed i always advocate for someone who is licensed who is registered with the health professions board of south africa go see someone go talk to someone it's someone who has a different perspective and it's someone who is trained and educated to assist you to deal with whatever it is that you are going through. So those are my three takeaways for today. Move your body, get a community, see a professional. Um, and yeah, do something for your mental health today. It's mental health day. Do something for your mental health. Love on yourself, ensure your mental health. Take a walk, get some ice cream. Do something for your mental health. And on that note, I'm going to leave it right there. Happy Mental Health Day, South Africa. Happy Mental Health Day to the world. Look after yourself and be intentional about your mental health. Until next time, signing out. Hope you're doing it.